0: Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an IT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice, which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in. And I hope you absolutely enjoy Hello everybody. You've got Cathy Love jumping into your ears, but we've also got Dave Jerab, founding director of Move About. Welcome, welcome.
1: Hi Cathy. It is such an honor to be with Aussie OT Royalty today. <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't know if that makes me feel old, which I am. So <laughs> I think this is what happens when you've just been around for a long time. You've got and you've got a kind of a mem, I've got a memorable name as well. So um I'm so excited and um to have you and to hear a little bit more about your your story. Um so whilst I've known of you for many, many years, I don't know you well personally, which is mm. just gonna be my excitement. Um so tell us. Tell us, like, just paint us a picture. What's Move About all about?
1: What's Move About all about? Yeah, look, um, Kath and I worked in the States. Kath's from the States. So Kath is my beautiful wife. She's also an OT. We come from a very OT family. Some you people do might know of Jen, who was also yep. an OT, my sister. But yeah, Kath and I uh, were in the States for five years and we moved back to Australia. And when we- was that?
0: When was that about?
1: Mm, it's about 15, 16 years ago. Mm. And, um, you know, we we felt like babies. I only had about five years experience and uh we weren't sure that we wanted to set up our own thing yet. Actually, we didn't want to set up our own thing. There was one person we wanted to work with and she was sort of a friend and when we chatted to her, we mentioned that we might want to open our own thing one day, you know, maybe in five or ten years' time. And she said, oh, that probably wouldn't feel good to me. Maybe we don't go ahead with it. Now I think if we said We wanted to do it in a year. She'd probably take us if she could get a year. It's so hard to find OTs, but um, so we ended up working with some other people and um for a little bit. And just it wasn't a good values fit. It was. uh, If there's a story there, I think that is a pretty defining story. Actually, are you okay if I share that? Yeah, go for it. Yep. Yeah, it was. There were two occasions where I was doing an intake call, and with your typical mums. Of the kids that we see that, you know, both kids uh had autism. And so these mums, I was chatting away to them and um just giving them ideas and strategies, talking about sensation and talking about relationship and talking about all these things and sort of 20 minute calls. And the guy I was chatting to, um, I'm sorry, sorry, the guy I was working with said to me, Look, it's too long. You gotta just, you know, do enough to get them in and talk to them on their dollar. And I was like, that did not really sit right with me. Um Fast forward to, you know, six months was basically all we could take and then we decided to set up our own thing. But um, fast forward to setting up our own. Oh, sorry, fast forward six weeks later, six weeks later for one of the parents and eight weeks later for the other one, they, they turn up and they come to therapy. And so, right, 40 minutes for two clients. I actually think that's not bad business. Except the cool thing was both of those mums referred three other people to me yeah. before they'd even got in themselves. Yeah. Right, so forty minutes got us eight clients. If you want to be tough on, like, do the business and and strategy, but like the thing is, we just realised that you know, do good work and and people will come. Live your vision and your values. By all means, know your numbers. You should know your numbers. That's yeah. the way you do it. But live your vision and values. And and so we set up Move About, and we've really gone ahead with that. We did think it would just be us originally, and that changed within another six months. <laughs> And so, yeah, we just wanted 2008. to a place.
0: 2008. 2008,
1: yeah, 2008. And six months later, we'd hired someone. A year later, we expanded. Four years later, we expanded again. But we, we just wanted to have a place that we could love what we do and surround ourselves with people who love what they do and just do good work and make a difference in the lives of kids and families. Yeah. And so yeah. we've always had the motto, we've always had the, the approach but in the last sort of five years, we've we've put it into a phrase, which is we support the people who support the kids. And that really is our organising principle. And that's our families, our team and also our community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So back to 2008 and you're these emerging business owners with a very clear entrepreneurial spirit. What did you think business was going to be like?
1: Yeah, we thought it was going to be just the two of us. Um, yes, me first because Kath went back to uni. Yeah. And um. You know, we we did work at a really great place in Chicago. So it was it was amazing. It was a multi-disk team. Um, Beth, our our employer, was on faculty with ICDL at that stage and then also Perfectum. But um, it was just a really rich learning environment. And we had supervision every week, we had group case studies, one lunchtime every week.
0: Sorry? Probably very beautiful facilities. Probably beautiful, beautiful
1: facilities. Service yeah.
0: models over there from what I've seen, yeah.
1: I, I Look, I will say that 15, 16 years ago, there was not a lot like it here mm. at that stage. I think yeah. there are places like it now. I think there yeah. really are. Um, and it was amazing. And then we sort of got here and it was just me, you know, and it was quite lonely. And I suddenly was meant to be the expert and have all the answers which was terrifying, right, Um, because I didn't. So, you know, Kath and I were very on the same page about this. We wanted to do the best work. So, you know, I was spending $600 a month on mentoring back then, which is probably like $1,500, maybe $2,000 a month these yeah. days. It was a lot. I got two OTs, a psychology and a, a speech therapy mentoring session because I missed the leadership in that previous team.
0: What I investment, just, though? Yeah. Like, that's what it takes. It is. Yeah.
1: It is. <laughs> and and that's what I try and share, I think, with some of the, the younger OTs that I'm su- supporting and we're mentoring too when they come through the move about mentoring. Uh, when I'm chatting to people and they're like, oh, we don't have support, and it's like, well, that's yeah. cool. You know, you can, can find out your CIA. What can you can control? What can you influence? What do you need to accept? Yeah. So if you can control it. Get them to change it. You probably can't, but you could influence it. Maybe you can get some. Maybe you can get together and have a study group with the other OTs. Mm. Uh, but if you accept it, then what can you control? You can get some yourself, right? Particularly if you've got this job and your boss is like stressed out paying the bills. And so they think the way they have to cut back on costs is by not providing support because they're paying you seven grades above the award, or what you should be or what they think you should be. If you like your job but there's not that great support, get it yourself. <laughs> mm. I mean, that is what will save you too from burnout is yeah. being good at what you do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there is certainly a time when you've got to invest in yourself above and beyond whatever the organisation may be saying or promising. Um, yeah, it's in, it's interesting, the bit about the mentoring. When I was working as a clinician, my mentors weren't actually OTs. <laughs> mm. For quite some time, they were often psychiatrists or paediatricians or speech pathologists or psychologists or I used to um, just invite, yeah, I used to go and find people who I would work with for X number of months for really specific knowledge, but so often out of discipline, so often out of discipline.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny, when I was in Chicago, the mental health professionals drove me batty. I love them. And I love them doing their job, but then it was always like you'd have these discussions and I'd be like, ah, you know, sometimes they just, the kid likes the song London Bridge is Falling Down and it's not like symbolic of, you know, (laughs) Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. But but then I got back to Australia and I'm like, oh, my God, London Bridge is falling down. I like, I don't know what to do with this mental health piece when I'm all on my own. And so, yeah, I had to get mental health support. Uh, because there were, you know, at that stage there weren't OTs in paediatrics that I had access to here that I yeah. felt were helping with the, You know, I just I had great people that I could access back yeah. there. And speech is the same thing. If you're not pitching your language at the right level, you can, it sometimes makes it really hard to do OT.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So 2008, move about kind of put the shingle up and had a few years there. Share the story about sensibility and shifting to the Central Coast a few years later, or well, eight years later. How did that happen? Yeah,
1: well, again, I have to rewind just a little bit. So Kath and I, our first, you know, our first baby was moveabout and we put off kids for a long time for moveabout. So, you know, it was a big sacrifice of long days, hard work, and we got to that stage after about five or six years that we weren't working twelve hours a day, six days a week, and I was like, oh, "We could breathe." And so, of course, now that we can breathe, there's a knock on the door. Well, there's actually a phone call from the front office saying, "Hey, there's a guy in the waiting room wanting to chat to you." And it was a guy come in, and he was setting up a super clinic in Blacktown. He was a developer, but he was setting up one of these. Do you remember Julia Gillard yeah. had the super clinics?
0: Yeah. And, and he said, "I painted oh. blue." Like, yeah, what was that? It's a
1: fizzle, <laughs> didn't it? But um. He said, "You know, I, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing. I want to chat to you guys about running the pediatric floor. We're building this four or five story building next to this other building with a medical center. We want you to run the pediatric floor. We want you to get in the speech and and psychs and fill out the rooms. We'll give you a hundred and like a hundred and ten, hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of fit out. And we're like, oh my god, this is a dream, right? That's so much. And so awesome. what we did, sorry." Was it a drink? Oh, well, no, it wasn't a drink. <laughs> no. And and when we thought about it, it actually was a potential nightmare. But he was wonderful.
2: Yeah. And we,
1: we took two or three weeks off work. We just said, guys, we really need to think about this because we sort of filled up the team. It was a good, solid team. And we went away and spent a couple of weeks. Um, we started with... Uh sometimes you think you ought to do a trigger warning for this stuff we started with what do we want on our tombstone what do we want our legacy to be right and then worked our way back because Perfect. just because it's a good deal doesn't yep. mean you should take it Correct. and it was really good offer but it just was going to take a lot we would have had to have had, had at least another four or five OTs pretty quickly without losing anyone and we were really honestly ready to have kids and we went Thanks, but no thanks. I think we'll let it pass. You know, it's, it can, it can be a good offer and, and not the right time for us. So we put a lot of work into thinking, what could it, what would it look like? What could it look like? How would we want it to run? How, and we sort of treated it a lot like if we followed through, what would it look like? And, and so we did all this work and then we were pre- got pregnant um, with our, our eldest and a year later, fast forward a year later, we've got like a three month old. And on LinkedIn, Coralie Clifford, this amazing, another OT royalty in Australia, owner of Sensibility on Central Coast, reached out to me and said, hey, Dave, I'm wondering if, you know, I I know you from, as a colleague from the courses, could could I give you a call about something? And then she called up and and just basically said, you know, I'm heading to retirement and I think she'd been practising for 40 years or something. She's amazing. And she said, I really want someone I can trust to take over my practice and and continue on what we've created, yeah, and support the families, support staff, and all that sort of stuff. Will you consider it? And so, Kath and I uh, jumped in. You know, well, we said, yeah, we'll consider it, and we sort of delayed it for a while. And like, ah, can we really think about this? And then she followed us up and went, all right, let's let's go meet with her. And, and so we jumped in the car and went to the central coast and we're driving into to visit her at her house in Glenning Valley. It was a beautiful house. And, you know, we're driving down and um, we're close to the beach, but this is a really beautiful area with trees and very nature and someone's watering their garden and waving to us as we drive past. There's a oh, lemonade. Yeah, there was a kid with a lemonade store. We're like, this oh, is staged. My God. What a setup. Um and we met with them and they showed us the place and they showed us around the central coast. And we just went, you know what? I think the time's right. I think we should try. We've never lived by the beach. Kathy lived like in the middle of the USA, like so far from the beach in Wisconsin. I lived in Richmond. I grew up in Richmond, which is nowhere near the beach. And we let's move to the beach. Um, and we did. And we we chatted to her and, and her amazing daughter, Sally was the practice manager and she's still our practice manager. So, it's been seven years that she's been with Move About. Just uh, last week, I think, and seven years we've been. It became Sensibility. We took over Sensibility, and then it, we we changed it to Move About. But yeah, that's the story of how we got there. And yeah, I, I think Kath and I we we sort of feel like we're unofficial members of the the Clifford family as well now. And it, it's it's nice. It's nice that we've been able to continue the great work that the Coralie did.
0: Yeah, and then later. And more recently, you uh, set the sat nav for Warner's Bay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a cool story too. I think um, we, we've had a lot of story journeys as a business, thinking about how we're going to run things. You know, there's all the people stressing out about it, recruitment and retention and all this, all this stuff. And and we decided that look, there's one pathway that's typical in a pediatric practice. For a therapist, you're a newbie, you're an intermediate, you're a team leader, you're a manager, you're an owner. If someone's ahead of you on the run, you've got to wait your turn, or you've got to go somewhere else. I'm I'm sure we lost stacks and stacks of people because we had that one pathway. Here's the pathway, and so um, we decided we wanted to create pathways. We wanted to talk about pathways, and so we had this big discussion with our team at one of our team retreats about what are the all the potential pathways. We've got this amazing screenshot of this whiteboard with like. 50 pathways yeah. we came up with, yeah. you know, and we openly talked about there's a family pathway, you know, people take a break and have kids and then they come back and, and that led to us putting in maternity leave. Uh, I wanted to openly talk about a travel pathway. I think we lost people because they were going to go traveling for a few months. This
2: we've year. got
1: we've got a therapist leaving us at the end of the year for some traveling. And uh, another therapist has told us they're traveling next September. So the therapist leaving in November was going to go for a year, but now she's worked out that she's going to come back by September to take over the caseload for the therapist who's leaving in September. And, and so that's really cool that now we're talking about pathways. We talk, we call it entrepreneurship that the team look after the business. Getting back to your question, uh, it's really a a, uh, ownership pathway. So Kim is one of my favorite humans in the world. She worked for us for six years at our Bella Vista practice from a new grad and then needed to get out of her shoebox apartment in in Parramatta and leave the city and she moved to Newcastle and so we lost her but then we a couple years later opened up Central Coast (laughs) and then she had a baby and and I invited her to come back and be a team leader at the Central Coast practice and then a manager and so we've had about 11 years out of the last 14 or 15 together with Kim and uh, a year ago I was like oh her daughter was going to kindergarten in 2023 and I just openly said to her you're probably not going to want to travel an hour each way to get to work when she's in kindy are you and she said probably not I said what do you think if we do something together because I really didn't want more than two that if I lost the manager I had to jump in and do it on my own you know or or that we had to do it on our own um so I yeah I I said to her how would you like to do it so that then she could be the key person at that. Warners Bay Clinic.
0: Fantastic you've used one of my all-time favorite words intrapreneurship and I don't hear it very often and it's a principle that I absolutely love and um, is a, we apply it in our own own business um, as well and a surprising number of our NACA consulting team have got a side hustle or some of our suppliers have come in as a team and then gone out of suppliers and built their own businesses and the like as well. What, what does it mean to you, though?
2: Mm, mm.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think starting from entrepreneur, Kath and I are the entrepreneurs. We took all the risk. We still take all the risk. Yeah. And if there's some profit, we get we get some of the profit. And so that's the entrepreneur. For us, an entrepreneur is someone that treats the business like their own. We've always had people that are very passionate about what we do at Move About and we have a really strong culture, a really caring team that has each other's back. And if I'm honest, there was a time that I used to say, if you want to be the best, come work for us. If you want to get paid the best, you got to go somewhere else. And we sort of openly talked about that because we had the best support, the best resources. We really invested in that stuff that there's not a whole lot left over. But I just, one at one stage, I just looked at the team. I went, that sucks because
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you are the best. I bring my own kids to you guys. Let's talk about this. Can we pay the best, support the best? Uh, so yeah, can, can we support the best, have the best resources and pay the best? Yeah. How is that possible? How do we compete with other people? And there's one way, and that's to have the best run business where we don't lose people. I think there's another story there in terms of having up the dollars of what it costs to lose and replace someone. But I think we have really good ability to to keep amazing people. And we have people that are really invested in the clinic. And so we call those entrepreneurs and we ended up coming up with an entrepreneurship agreement that people sort of chatted to each other and they took responsibility and they they do things to grow the practice. So after a year, we actually do that with them and then they become part of a profit-sharing framework as well. So we share about 20% of our profits with our team. So we'll never pay the highest base salary, Mm -hmm. but I believe after a year, people can earn the most with us through KPI bonuses and entrepreneurship bonuses and
0: other things as well.
2: Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and false This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs and blind spots as an Allied Health Business Owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalised report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today.
0: It's not unusual for me to be in conversation with allied health business owners who have a huge amount of fear that their employees, that their clinicians, are going to take all the IP and take the referrers and take the clients and waltz off into the sunset and set up their own their own business. Mm. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Well, you know I, what? I've actually I've not particularly worried about that with my team members, to be yeah. honest but I have been quite protective of what we have from other businesses, you know, I had this scarcity of we're going to be the best and have the best support so that people want to work for us and not for them. And that competitive thing. <laughs> yeah, And, and something clicked with that too. You know, COVID was a lot of good came from the thinking time and the disorganization before reorganization of that whole process. And, you know, we just made a decision. We're going to move from scarcity to this infinite game concept because we really, we did a few things. We really worked with our team around getting absolute clarity in the wording of our vision and our mission and getting absolute clarity in our values. And I just had to be honest with myself. If I want a world where all kids, regardless of their differences, can have meaningful lives and be valued and valuable members of their community, I can't do it alone. And I can't do it just with my team and just our caseloads. And I can't, you know, I'm never going to have this monopoly over the whole world that I can control the world and help all kids. I need to help people at other practices. I need to support the people who support the kids who will never work for me if I want that vision. And, you know, it, it's funny, the, the once you let go of that, it's contagious and people want to work with you and um you just, it feels right. It, and it was sort of back to the roots, right? Back to that initial story I told you where it's like, you know, know your numbers, but know your vision and values. That's what's gonna to lead to success as well.
0: It's sort of sounding very much about the law of attraction as well.
1: I guess my sisters are really into the law of attraction. So I have this really? little bit of a, a twist on the law of attraction thing. But it is, you're right, it's a, it's a it's an abundant mindset, right? Yeah. And, but it's not even about like it's just it's this being service focused. It's it's just wanting to, it's meaning, it's very OT, right? It's yeah. meaningful occupation. Loving what you do and, and it's, it, that's rooted within our values. We want to make a difference. We make a difference. We're in it to make a difference. We're always learning. We're connection driven and we're playful and we live those and we remind each other of those. And you know what? I love going to work and our team love going to work. I've had people say they get sick and they have to have a few days off working. They're like, I'm so glad to be back. It's so cool to be at a place where people love to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, bounce from that into um early career burnout because mm-hmm. it's sort of the flip side, but it's something that I'm sure we're both, Well, I know I'm certainly seeing it and hearing it as well. So I guess setting the context is that many graduates coming through last year and this year have had that COVID impact on their undergrad experience as well. And they may be coming into a range of businesses that are have variable support and um, investment in them as as well. What do you think is going on across the industry for these mm. early career clinicians? I have a few
1: thoughts. I have a few thoughts that I haven't heard spoken about.
0: All right, um, you're going to speak about them.
1: I'm going to speak about them. Yeah, I um, you know, a lot of people are talking about. Oh, toxic workplaces and big cases. And those things are real in a lot of places. There are there are gross places. Um, what I do say to people is actually you have amazing control. You know, there's short supply of OTs and high demand. So you actually have control. So there's no point sort of complaining about that. Just find a better job um, and, and there's ways to do it. And we can actually talk. One thing I think people need to invest in themselves a little bit, you know, you have four years of uni where you earn nothing and you live on like a shoestring or whatever they say. And and then you get to work and and I say to people, take a week off before you go for a job hunt and go go ask to observe at five or 10 different practices. Like invest in yourself and make sure that you're not moving from one crap job to another crap job. But so, yeah, there's toxic workplaces. There's big caseloads and and caseloads are different to KPIs. I try and help people understand that too. So we mostly treat hourly, weekly. So if you've got 23 as a new grad, that's 23 kids in your head. If you're doing a half hour fortnightly, you've got 92 kids in your head and 92 reports and 92 lots of paperwork. So knowing that difference between uh, caseloads and KPIs is different. And for business owners to know that when they're talking to that they're not saying the same thing just because they say 23 KPIs is or 24 or 25 or whatever it is. But and, and a lot of people like to talk about, oh, you've got to fill your cup. You know, it's all about filling your cup and taking care of yourself. And I don't mean to, I, I do get into this voice. I've got to kick, figure out how to kick that voice when I say it, because it really bugs me, I guess, because in my brain, I think their brains are actually hearing your cup's empty, your cup's empty, your cup's empty.
0: Or broken. Or, and,
1: or, or broken, yeah. What and
0: we even know. Yep. When I go into a
1: session with a half a cup and the parents got an empty cup and the kids got an empty cup. You know, if I go in with a heart of service, this this idea of compassion fatigue hasn't been something I've seen a lot in me or my team because you go in and you come out, and you've all got full cups at the end of it because we love what we do. I don't think that compassion fatigue or, or the actual work with the client is is the thing. And actually, Sonia Beselich is an amazing speech therapist and entrepreneur. She doesn't even like this idea of full cup. She calls it a fulfilled cup. Go have a fulfilled cup. Be I'm happy just with fulfilled. what. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I like that. Um, so I think two things happen, right? I think admin is a killer. And so people burn out of the admin. And then that also goes along with we've got a whole generation of perfectionists, perfectionists coming through, right? So to get into OT, you've got to score really well. We've got these super smart, conscientious, amazing, big hearted OTs graduating and they want to have a huge impact. And. Then they get into the work. They've never failed at anything often. A lot of the time, the highest grades, they've always been great. And then you get in the workforce and it's bloody hard. Yeah. It's hard and you're not great. You know, and I say that to my team members are like, actually you're not great. Great is the top 5%. Masters are the top 1%. You can't possibly, and you shouldn't be expected to be, and you don't need to be, because here's the thing. If you've got great support and you've got good resources, you can still do great therapy. And yep. so we can talk about how to get those for you. You don't have to be great to do great therapy. But so that perfectionism piece and that, I don't know if you've ever, um, Seth Godin is a, a marketing guru and he has a, a very short book called The Dip. And I read that as an hour and a half listen on Audible, actually. And I had just been looking at the conscious competence matrix. Um, and my brain just put these two things together. So, and, and this is something that I think it, I see two specific times that people hit a wall in their early career so you start your career and it's new and exciting right you're in this unconscious incompetence you don't know what you don't know and then you realize oh my god there is so, so much. much I <laughs> don't know right and so that's a that's an early burnout breaking point
0: point. and just that questioning of well what on earth have I been learning in the last four years
1: yeah exactly yeah and and I think a lot of people are taught Oh, look, if it feels hard, if it doesn't feel good, if you don't love it, maybe it's not for you. You should try something else. I've just done four years and, and, and it feels hard and they're taught to find something else. But so it's new and exciting. You don't know what you don't know. Then you realize how much you don't know. You hear this conscious incompetence and that's really hard. So you do they need a lot of support to get through that and they need to know that there is support there and connection and a whole bunch of different things. And then you get conscious competence. And so that's when you know what you need to know. And I see that as actually a, a really another key point where people burn out because you have this idea that once you know what you need to do, it's going to feel easy, right? Except when you know it, but you still have to think about it, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. So they're like, now I know it, but I'm still exhausted at the end of the day. I still feel like I have an empty cup. And, and so that's another point where they break out where they drop out. And it's not until you get to that sense of unconscious competence where you can do some of your job without thinking about every step that you start to feel alive and then get to that reflective competence. And those two zones are where you feel flow, and that's when it's energising. When, you, when you're when you good at what you do, it's energising. I'd much rather see six kids in a day than be doing paperwork, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's energising, and I think it's really hard when you have to think about it and it's hard to be for something to be hard. But once you get through that, it's exciting.
0: Yeah. There's quite a bit of talk or so um, around the place about resilience as well, mm. and um, what that looks like, and what different people need at different times, and where on earth do allied health businesses find that? And particularly um, if the allied health business owner themselves is not feeling particularly energized, or focused, or resilient as as well what are your thoughts on resilience
1: i mean it goes along with it and i do think that i think sometimes i'm going to be honest and say that's a cop-out from the business owner's perspective i think we haven't been innovative and worked out how to like this is the hand we're dealt right
0: yeah we've
1: got these amazing humans that want to change the world uh but they don't know how to fail and pick themselves up Mm -hmm. uh you know there's there's a fragility there sometimes but there's also a real strength and so this is the game we're in. You want to own a business. You need to be able to support yeah. the people who support the kids, right? And um, although one thing I, I made a big shift in is that supporting the people who support the kids is not taking care of people. It's not babying people and making it easy. We we had this amazing, amazing, amazing story where we had a group and, and the hardest part actually for a lot of our therapists is when they hit 19 or 20 clients, 23 onwards is fine. Because you're used to your kids, it's the same kids and that sort of piece, but they were sort of a bit overwhelmed. And um, we just moved Soph, who's an amazing therapist, had been with me for five years on the Central Coast. She moved into the manager role at a Bella Vista practice. And we had an intensives coming up, and um, she'd started for a few weeks and then went away for five weeks, which had been planned for 12 months, but we wanted them to have some time with her. They hadn't had a manager for a little while besides me. and so then I came in. I'm like, all right, let's let's do a great job for Sophie while we're away, and and so we filled them up for intensives, and they were quite a lot fuller than they would normally expect because we normally would ask them to see 24 plus an assessment of fortnight, uh, 24 a week plus assessment of fortnight. But there's no assessment, so it's like let's let's see about 27 kids. We're seeing intensives. We've got kids coming in five days. So you really only seeing like 10 different kids. There's less case management, and so they were a little bit sort of starstruck by that and a bit worried but they had groups going and other things and they smashed it and they loved it and they looked so good so alive these kids were making changes within one, within one week they were able to work together in these groups and connect and feel part of something and I looked at them on the Friday of the second week and I'm just like looking at them laughing and chatting and I'm like you guys hit some serious goals you looked amazing and and the penny dropped right previously I had been trying to make life as easy as possible and handling with kick gloves and instead I moved to um, this is hard and you can do it which is a phrase I got from Colleen Hacker from the sensory gym she was my third year place fourth year third year placement supervisor and I've kept it with me this is hard and you can do it and they did it right and then they could feel it in themselves I did it yeah I don't know if I answered your question yeah I don't even know what the question was the question was about resilience I think I think they have it within them I think that it's until you fail that you know what you're capable of. You know, i failed more than most people have tried and I try and tell my team, fail, fail lots. You can fail always fast. repair, fail fast and learn, yep. fall seven, rise eight, but they have permission to fail and move about and there's no shame. There's no, we don't mm. pick on people. We we have their back and we repair when things go wrong and we move forward and and it's our job. I guess that's the the end of the story is, that's the business that we're in and the business is supporting people to be strong, great humans.
0: Yeah, change the world one session at a time. So you've yeah. currently got a team of 25 OTs and six customer service experts. What does your team do beautifully?
1: That's a good question. I, I mean, they do so much beautifully. I think they connect beautifully. I think they care beautifully. I think the my favourite thing that I hear again and again from families is, um families will often say I just think it's amazing that when I arrive every team member every single team member knows my my child and greets us by name right so we we do relationship really well we are connection driven and and we really care and we really focus on supporting the people who are supporting the kids that's we really are very focused on helping the families and the teachers and, and people help kids in their life so we do have this great sensory space and Um, People who don't have what we are pick on us and, and say, oh, they're the sensory clinic. But no, we're bottom to top. Our goals are super functional. Our treatment is education, consultation, and direct treatment. So the direct treatment is part of the puzzle. And we like to have the parent in there as part of that because the goal of OT is not to be good at OT. The goal is to be good at life. Actually, I just did a post on Instagram this week that said, we are not mechanics, right? We don't fix kids, people don't drop off their kids to be fixed. Um, we support them to be successful and happy in their everyday life. So, connection, relationship, and and supporting families, I think, are what we do best. And, and supporting each other, having each other's back. If someone hears something in a session, people people will pop their head in and say, "Hey, you need a hand."
0: Yeah. What would your team say about you?
1: <laughs> my team, the positive things or the negative things, Cathy?
0: Well, you can choose. You can self-select.
1: I, I think my team would say. Um, I know that they all appreciate the way Kathy and I run, move about, and that we are, we, we practice supporting the people who support the kids, that we, we have their back 100%. I think they would also say Dave is like, you know, chasing every shiny object and it's very hard to, um, to nail him down to, to get a sentence out sometimes. So that is something that I do work on mm. is that, I do have a lot of things on my mind and so uh, I try and meet with people with nothing else open or on or because I'm (laughs) I'm undiagnosed But and I I sort of hate when people do this, but I truly would have no problems getting an ADHD diagnosis and I've created a life that supports that that I don't need to to get that and a great team that supports that. Um, But, yeah, I, I think that that's probably my... I I have trouble staying on task, and I go on tangents. You might have felt a bit of that today, Kath.
0: Oh, good! Like the twenty-five tabs that we both closed down to get some bandwidth. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Where is Move About likely to be heading in the next couple of years? Don't need to, you know, share all the all the secrets. But what have you kind of got in mind?
1: I mean, I have no problem sharing secrets. I I have no problems. I'm, I'm happy to help anyone who's running a business and just give away what I have. I just want kids to have great lives so and, and cream rises by the way yeah, Kathy, yeah, so it's really it's no threat to me um I don't know I you know I I have a really strong group uh, in my team we decided we needed to really mark anniversaries and so at our last retreat we caught up and, and I gave seven watches because the watch I don't know these fancy watches that everyone wanted um were for five years with moveabout and and so that was really cool. We've got more now since then. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where the team takes it. Like I can't, I have so many things on my Sunday maybe list that now with entrepreneurship, I have some really amazing minds that work for me that want to take things in different directions. So we've got a group that's working on our um, supportive steps program, which is how do we support people who are stuck on a waiting list? How do we give them activities and videos and, and ways to help them? Um, yep. We're looking for a program for people who can't afford services on a path towards, I think, one day maybe having a not-for-profit element. We have a lot of team members who are interested in, mm-hmm. um, in populations that, that don't have, uh, all the resources that we have as well. Uh, yeah, to, uh, parents, we want to do more stuff with parents. Uh, to be able to support them to support their kids. So, uh, and we've got a lot of therapists who've been with us for a while. That if they said, "Hey, I want to set up a move about," I'd really consider that. It's not in my plan, but it's it fits within our our vision of helping more people. If they're going to take the lead, I certainly will support them.
0: Yeah, so good to hear your story and your passion. Just mm-hmm. uh, absolutely amazing. You've uh, got the last couple of minutes. What would you like allied health business owners to be thinking about?
1: Look, I, I think that, and it's probably getting annoying for the people listening, but really we need to support the people who support the kids, and that's our employees, and it's also employers. And so we need to, you need to put on your oxygen mask, mask first. And so you need to have support. You know, humans are social beings; social connections important. And you know, I still get mentoring. I get business mentoring, You're and too- I get. And I get therapy-related, you know, clinical mentoring. Um, so we need support to find that for yourself. And there are people who will do it for free. There's people who are charged. There's, you know, there's a range of different people. So, you know, we've got Move About Mentoring, which is uh, primarily targeting people whose businesses are unable or unwilling to provide them with support. And so that starts at $87 plus GST for new grads whose mm-hmm. businesses won't pay for it. Um, we've got to move about immersion where people can come spend a week with us and each of the day of the week they meet with a different person and talk through a different part of the client journey understand from intake through assessment through treatment planning goal setting and discharge they get in about 15 sessions and an assessment we have a play with equipment session and we send them away with a whole bunch of resources so we're we're doing some things There's there's things out there and there's other people out there and there's a lot of business coaches and and mentors and different frameworks but find that support because that will sustain you when you feel like you're not on your own yeah you can do good work um and even business owners I think one of my saving graces was a group of amazing women in in the Newcastle area who invited me to be part of their wine and wine group wine, mm-hmm. and wine group during COVID and they were my saving grace you know just knowing there are people out there you know a lot of people talk about the, the bad stuff of business owners, but business owners, man, they, they take on a lot of risk and it's it's a scary thing because we get into it because we're good at our craft, not because we're necessarily good at business. And so not a lot of people understand what business owners go through. So I encourage those business owners, find people like you and, yep. and, and find that community. Community connection is key to everything for me and finding support to help you with what you're doing, but also support just to have someone walk you on the same path. Um, yeah, I, I think that's my key. Love
0: it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing the adventure so far. Thank you for inviting me, Kathy. It's uh, uh
1: what is it, long-time listener, uh, sorry, long-time oh. listener, first-time caller or something?
0: <laughs> yes, something like that, something like that. And our paths just crossed in the freakiest of ways um, yeah. like months ago. So, yay, I've um, loved listening to all that's, all that's done and exciting, hey, exciting. We're lucky to do what we do, I think i think we're in
1: exciting times and i think we are yeah i think we are very lucky to do what i do and i think that's where this idea of really i want to end ot burnout because the idea of occupational therapists burning out finding not finding their occupation meaningful blows my mind and and it doesn't need to happen so yeah let's let's work together to make sure that there's great ot's around to help kids for a long time
0: thanks dave thanks kathy Thank you so much for listening to this episode, for the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on Naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues and we are totally here for you don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done looking forward to seeing you there